Greetings. Welcome to Haber Bros, a podcast for historic cross-centered Christians. We seek to provide ancient answers to a culture that's forgotten the questions. Thank you for listening this week. If you like what you're hearing or enjoy the show, please share it with a friend. This is the biggest way that podcasts grow. And say positive things about us on Twitter and Facebook. If you haven't yet given us a five-star review, give us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate it. There are far more of you who have listened than have given us five-star reviews. <laughs> so you could help us out that way. Follow us on Twitter at, at @clergylay and join our Facebook discussion group. I'm Kirk Haberman, a church musician, and this is my brother, Chris, a priest. Hey, Chris, how are you? I'm great. I woke up this morning, looked at my phone, there's a text from the city a snow alert which was a bit of a surprise nope. we, we were forecasted wait to have... the city has your number yeah and you're okay with this oh kirk um okay <laughs> I, I hate to tell you about i hate to tell you about our smartphones but um they, they know a lot about us so i heard China I, might as well get some might, might as well get get some information out of it for my, for myself so anyway, okay so um, so anyway you're saying china snow alert. has your number <laughs> snow snow alert in two falls <laughs> okay uh it, it, we were expected to get just a dusting of snow. And as, as you know, it's been a warm and snowless, pretty snowless winter. Uh, and we were down For to almost, you. Yeah. We were down to almost nothing. And we woke up to four inches, much to everybody's surprise, including the weather forecasters. So, so that was a, a pleasant surprise. Uh, but a cold front is descending across the upper Midwest. You know, uh, if we were to look at a, map of the country i mean An iron curtain is descending it is we're in we're going to be in single digits for like a week so That's this cool. is a, a cold yeah it, it is because we're actually going to keep the snow and uh we've got a few more days forecasted for snow so that's exciting because as you know we have embraced winter sports in this house this winter yeah and partly because they're at the age where they can really uh improve and and whatnot uh skating ice skating and skiing are, are are big things that we've embraced and they both kind of help each other i mean they, they both kind of have the same nature of of learning to shift your weight with, with your feet and, and things like that and um I, last week i think i talked about going to the skating rink up the street well we went last night kirk yeah yeah, I love the pictures yeah. and the video. I mean, we we went Sunday, uh, but but sharing Meg sharing pictures with you last night uh, was a a bit like uh, a bit of a what's the word I'm looking for a rosy portrait. Uh, you know, we sent a picture of the kids holding hands and skating. It wasn't quite like that. It was thirty. <laughs> it was thirty eight degrees. The oh, ice was okay. melting. It was horrible. Uh, I didn't think the ice was going to be that bad. Um, so, I mean, it was kind of like the last warm day before it's uh, you know, this cold snap. And I was like, oh, let's take advantage of this warm weather while we're, we're like skating in slush and like we were getting muddy. And like, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was comically bad, but I mean, it, it, it was just another day of them kind of, uh, you know, building up those muscles and, and hopefully we'll help them to, you know, maintain balance and, and change directions yeah. and turn and do all the things you need to do. And, and, uh, we'll see what's nice is that it's. I think two miles from my house. So even during this cold snap, we can go skate for 30 minutes, go warm up. Now, will they, minutes, will they resurface it? Will they put new water on it so that, Oh, I hope so. There's a new, I, like a clean. I surface? hope so. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Hey, do you, Christopher, do you remember, uh, the, the winter that we were, we were in New Hampshire, um, and that lovely pond that we were, we would skate on, 
of kind of that, that last week, was it in February, late February, before we uh, came home? And we were skating kind of on the lake up the river further than we should, and the ice wasn't great. And uh, I went through. <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> okay. I mean, so I remember skating up the river. I don't remember you going through. Now, like, when, I, oh, when oh. I say I go through, that sounds a little more dramatic than it actually was. One leg went through. But still, and how deep was the water? I, I mean, I don't know. I didn't hit bottom. Like okay. I just pulled, I went, it went, it went, I was like up to my knee and I pulled out and, uh, and it, it, within five minutes it had frozen on my leg and I had like this, this ice cast, but, um, that's, that is, that is my memory of, uh, skating and, and melting ice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So there are, there are worse things than skating in mud. You could, you could legitimately fall through. <laughs> yeah. If, if we were to fall through on, on a skating rink, that wouldn't be a bad thing. Isn't that it's, a pivotal scene in Little Women? Like someone, someone falling through and dying. You're asking. I, as a, as a, as a great connoisseur of classic American literature, only have vague notions of this pivotal moment. I think, I think someone, I think someone dies. But Kirk, um, speaking of pivotal moments, uh, that that winter in New Hampshire was was a was a beautiful pivotal moment for for us. Uh, I was in third grade. You were in sixth grade. We uh we did kind of remote school through our we were there just two months january and february in new hampshire um, dad was taking like a renewal leave um mm -hmm. and we played on the local basketball teams and <laughs> yeah. i skied uh with the local like like once a week uh yeah. for for most of the time I, I got to go to the ski area nearby and ski for free and uh just man, I don't know how close it would have been really close to the place we were renting was this pond that, that the weather was perfect that winter. It would, um, anytime that, that it would snow, I guess it was like the sun would melt it and it would, it would, have, uh, refreeze in this perfect sheet of ice where we could skate hmm. almost, almost any day we wanted on this, on this perfect ice. And when we say pond, it was more like a small lake. Yeah. 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 It was a really decent sized, um, uh, pond. It wasn't like we, you know, this tiny footprint, like, a, you know, it's not like the, the, the key, uh, like, a yeah. like the, the, so the you're lane right. on a basketball court, the way it froze, it froze almost like a, like a rink. And yeah. so you yeah. and I gained the false impression that that's just how lakes freeze. Right. And then we right. move up to Northern Minnesota a couple of years later and uh, where the, like just, just the harsh wind like, blows down from the, the prairie in Canada. And um, that's not how lakes freeze. Like if there's any wind at all, like you get to these ridges. And so if you're skating over, you're like, there was one winter we tried to, to, so we lived, um, listener we lived uh on a lake um and so like we could walk um out of our <laughs> part of our house and uh heck we could drive <laughs> we could drive on and the did lake. drive yeah. sometimes yeah had, had <laughs> a boat canoes like sailboat, like all sorts of stuff um and uh one winter we we attempted to just shovel a little a little rink and yeah. it was so much work and there were there were springs that would kind of ruin the ice and i mean there were a million things impediments to 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 keeping a rink uh, there was a kid in my grade who uh who had taken a big boulder from her yard and like chucked it out there and it lodged itself halfway into the ice and was there like in the middle that was chris klikowski do you remember that and lodged itself right in the middle of that uh, that was yes, my 10th that was, year. <laughs> that, that was Halloween. Um, yeah. <laughs> we had a bunch of people over and the ice, the ice had frozen and, and it was just kind of like, how strong is this ice? Like we, we couldn't quite walk on it. It wasn't that strong, but it's like, how big of a rock would it take to break and it? it stayed there all winter. <laughs> <laughs> but um, then I think Kirk, your, uh, the, the Christmas of your freshman year of college, uh, you came home for Christmas and circumstances were such that, that there was like one day in all in the eight years that we lived there. Uh, and it was when you were home from college that, in fact, there was a melt and refreeze where mm -hmm. we could skate all just across the forever. bay. Like just it was yeah. incredible. Mm -hmm. It was uh, it was amazing because like we, the although the bay that we lived on wasn't huge. It was, it was a, you know, a good size lake, like 30,000 acres or something. Um, oh, so, yeah. 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 Yeah, easily when I when I show my students where I live on Google Earth, like I mean, it doesn't take long <laughs> to find the lake. It's a big lake. 
it's yeah. a big lake. Now we lived on a small bay of that big lake, but uh, Christopher, we too have had a, a cold snap. Um, and uh, that cold snap is leading to a problem in our house, uh, which is I always once a year, I have like clockwork for like 10 years, change the oil on all our vehicles in the autumn, fully synthetic. It's fine. It'll get it through the year. And modern vehicles, of course, Christopher, now tell you, they'll tell you when you need to change your oil. So you don't have to buy big oil propaganda like every 3,000 miles baloney, right? You can, I mean, your engine, uh, now modern engines will tell you. Well, I-, I Yeah, I know the, the, the oil light comes on yeah, yeah. and the engine and light comes it'll say 15%, on. 10%, 5%. And it'll... No, I'm making a joke about like your car, like you wait until your car shuts down, but go ahead. <laughs> like the smoke comes out and then you, then you pull over and, and change your oil. And then it's fine. Yeah. yeah. Cause then you put the oil back in cause it's empty and then you put it back in. That's right. That's right. right? Yeah. So <laughs> November turned into December and I hadn't done it. And then it got cold in December and I'm like, ah, we always have a January thaw. So like, you know, one of those 51 degree days in January, I'll change it. Well, that never, never happened. And so the oil light came on and it was 15% around Christmas and then it was down to 10%. And uh, Kim sent me a text message, a, a picture message yesterday showing me that now the, uh, the, the oil gauge says on, on our dash says 5% on the van. <laughs> and we Now got, that's like, not amount. That's just like quality, right? No, that's light, like life left before. Yeah. I don't know, but I don't know. This is like uh, Kramer going down the uh, the um, Long Island Turnpike. <laughs> oh, what happens? <laughs> the Kirk, light I mean, came on. What's what's crazy with cars is that you know, 25 years ago, and and I bet people not that much older than us would would it's commonplace, it's routine to check your oil. Mm -hmm. Kirk, let me ask you, when's the last time you checked your oil? Uh, after I change it to make sure I don't put like too okay. much in it, and that's it. But, that's it. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never again. Yeah. Never again. Oh yeah, at routine. You and you and I have a college friend who, like, if he kind of had like downtime in the morning, <laughs> would like so he inherited this from his father, or his pap, or whatever, right? He go to the gas station, check the air in the tires, check the oil, right? You yeah. remember that, and Christopher? That was like sort of a, a gas station liturgy. You as you pump up the gas, you what? You you wash the uh, windshield and you check the oil, right? I remember watching Dad do that. Yeah, it's that's now out of a different parallel universe. Yeah. 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 So now we, because of this cold snap, Christopher, I don't know, man, what do I do? Do I man up and just change it, you know, in, uh, in 15, 20 degrees or do I, I don't know. I, I refuse, I refuse on principle to go to Valvoline or any oil changing place because I can say, I can say to them, and I can even be slightly rude and say, I know you're going to say yes, but I re you really need to mean this. Do not use your air drill to tighten the nut on my oil pan because I will never get it off. And they'll say, oh yeah, okay, okay. We'll hand tighten it. And then three minutes later, what will I hear, Christopher? <laughs> As they, you know, with that, with that air, air drill, like not air drill, um, wrench with that, with that air powered wrench. Sounds like you need to purchase yourself an air powered wrench. Have you ever have you ever tried to change your oil after the dealer or a, or a place has changed it? Kirk, it, I, haven't it changed, I haven't changed my oil for fifteen years. That thing does not come off, man. I think I don't. This is not the thing I had intended to talk about, and somehow I'm ranting about like changing my oil during the winter. This is my own my own fault. I need to. I made my bed. Now I need to lie in it. I just need to need to change change my oil. I was going to talk about um, how our bathroom isn't. Uh, is is in a state of s slowly being built back up, but but that that can wait for another week, Christopher, when we have yeah. further progress. Because we have uh, we have some some uh, fun things to present to the listener. Speaking of presentations,
Yes. Uh, our liturgical calendar has seven principal feasts. Easter Day, Ascension Day, Day of Pentecost, Trinity Sunday, Epi uh, Christmas Day, the Epiphany, and All Saints Day. And we also have a bunch of holy days, traditionally called red letter days. Um, uh, the first one of the year, uh, of, of the calendar year, is January 1st, Circumcision and Holy Name. And the next one, of course, relates, uh, is February 2nd. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because we all know, we've been talking a lot about weather, and we all know that February 2nd is the day that Christ was presented in the temple. Oh, I thought you were saying presented at Punxsutawney. Something like that. Oh, yeah. okay. So, so um, that is the gospel reading that we are going to focus on this week. This Sunday is, in fact, uh, in, in many Anglican uh, uh, churches throughout the world, it would be the fifth Sunday of Epiphany. Um, but the second to last Sunday of Epiphany is always World Mission Sunday in the ACNA in, in our province. So um, instead of, uh, we're going to focus on that actually in our theology segment. And here in our gospel segment, we're going to look uh, at Luke chapter two, verses 22 through 40. And when the time came for, for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their ta own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So to be clear, this gospel reading is from, you know, we're, going, we're going in a time machine. This gospel reading was from February 2nd, which was Monday. Um, and this is unusual. We have, this is the first time, Christopher, we've done a, uh, a meditation on a gospel reading that wasn't from the Sunday following our recording. We usually record on a Thursday. So we're kind of um, looking advance three or four days. Um, and now we're looking back. Um, and uh, the reason we are, Christopher, is uh, because this has been sitting heavily with me. Um, our Sunday school series at our parish, All Saints, in Cranberry Township, Pennsylvania, has been on comically and cumbersomely named it's become beloved of uh of those who have been been attending and those who have been following on facebook live cumbersomely named epiphany feast days that you may not know about or something like that and so it's allowed us to stop and smell the roses on a lot of these uh feast days during epiphany that um that you know land on a sunday once every seven years and then even when they land on a sunday oftentimes parishes for understandable reasons, choose not to, to celebrate them. 
Um, among them has been uh, January 25th is uh, conversion, I should have this correct, uh, conversion of St. Paul. Um, the confession of St. Peter was, I think, January 18th. Um, and so we, these are these are some uh, major feast days. And uh, February 2nd, as you uh, mentioned, is one of the glorious feast days in the church calendar. Um, it is the presentation of our Lord in the temple, or as was uh, titled in older prayer, prayer books, Purification of the Blessed Virgin. Um, or as, if you go back even older, was commonly called Candle Mass. Um, and that may strike you as strange in your ear, but think for a moment, Christopher, um, December 25th, the, uh, the, the actual name for that festival is Feast of the Nativity, right? Um, and we just call it Christmas, right? It's easier, it's the, right? So um, of course, if you had a high holy feast day that was a mouthful, why not kind of give it a more colloquial name? And uh, we, we will we'll explain why, why it was called Candle Mass why it was a big deal, why it still is a big deal some places, and why maybe uh, we can maybe think about reviving some candle mass practices and uh, how it can become meaningful um, meaningful for and formative for us. Um, first of all, uh, uh, this represents, it's 40 days, uh, February 2nd is 40 days inclusive. That's how Jews counted, right, Christopher? Um, Jesus uh, was, was, uh, was, it's crucified on Good Friday, and then we say three days later because Friday is day one, Saturday is day two, Sunday is day three. That's on the third day. So it's 40 days inclusive, including uh, December 25th, um, from Christmas. And according to the law of Moses, the firstborn boy was to be dedicated to God's service. That, that is, was to serve in the temple. Unless the parents chose to do what? <laughs> to purchase him back. Uh, and, and you'll see in the gospel reading, it says redeem him, right? Uh, and that's, that's actually what we mean when we say we are, um, Jesus redeems us of our sins. He purchases out, us out of slavery from our sins, that, uh, lest we lose the power of that imagery and the power of that, that. It's not a metaphor. It's real. It's actual, right? God's, Jesus' blood is the price for our sins, right? So, so we see um, the price for purchasing your son back from service to the godly service to the temple was either a lamb or, and we see in this case for, for poor families, Christopher, you and I have talked about this, right? How, how the law of Moses actually had a love for the poor and an understanding mm -hmm. for the poor. There's, there's, um, it's a progressive tax, right? <laughs> there are tax yeah. breaks for the yeah. little guy, two turtle yeah. doves or two pigeons. And which, right? which is an interesting <laughs> uh, note about Jesus family is that yeah. he came from a poor family. Right. Yeah. And there's also something ritual that's happening here, which is the purification of the mother. Mm -hmm. um, and we, up until very recently in old prayer books, Christopher, there was something called the churching of a woman after childbirth that would happen mm. 40 days after. And it was a, um, a lovely nod back. Um, if it was good enough for the Blessed Virgin, it's good enough for, for our mothers. Um, there's a nod back to that. I don't have anything more to say about that as I'm neither an ad. I have, I don't even know enough to have an opinion on it. It's just an interesting thing. If you're ever leafing through a 1928 prayer book or a 1662 prayer book, you're like the churching of a woman. What? What? Yeah. That was you know, a woman would come back to church 40 days after, after birth or uh, around then. Um, uh, also uh, 40 days is in some point, in some ways, February 2nd is in some ways uh, a meaningful midpoint between uh, uh, the first day of winter and the first day of spring. So for us in the Northern hemisphere, it actually is a moment to kind of take stock of the time that's passed and anticipate what's coming. Um, and as Christianity has often done, Christopher, and you have spoken eloquently on this, um, we subvert and transform pagan practices. Uh, for, example, for example, the solstice becomes the incarnation and the nativity of our Lord, right? Um, mm -hmm. what, be, what was once a midwinter, a mid-solstice festival, we have subverted and turned into um, a festival of light that is Jesus Christ, the infant Jesus, as Simeon says, the light to lighten the Gentiles mm -hmm. and the glory of the people of Israel. And yes. we'll talk about that in a moment, how, how Candlemas um, was, still is in some places, and can be a lovely festival of light. Um, and so, Christopher, I've, I've opined, and I don't mean to rip on, you and I actually had, a, well, in the family thread, a brief text conversation where I, just in the last week, am newly sympathetic to Groundhog's Day. 
<laughs> Groundhog's Day, in some ways, is the secularized candle mass. It's the secu secularized presentation of our Lord in the temple. Um, just when we've been six weeks into winter, we got six weeks done, six weeks in the books, but six weeks left until March 20th, right? We're beaten down by clouds and darkness and cold. It's an excuse to party and to anticipate and to hope for the coming of spring, right? Uh, and that's kind of what people are doing. And what better way to do that than to, <laughs> to um, scrutinize the activities of a rodent in central Pennsylvania? Do you know the name of the language uh, that the, quote, inner circle, capital I, capital C, speaks when they converse with said groundhog? I, I have no idea what you're talking about. No, people talk. To... People talk to the groundhog. How else is the groundhog going to tell you whether he saw his shadow or not? He's got to tell you. Yeah, they bend down in their top hat and their tuxedos, and they they like say stuff and then they <laughs> listen to him. Yeah, it's <laughs> oh, so so they actually think that they're talking to. So so there's. What do you mean so... they think? <laughs> okay. Did sorry. they not pronounce? Yeah. Did they not relay to us that the groundhog saw his shadow? I guess in the I driving never snow. Really thought about what that means. It's called for... groundhog ease. <laughs> well, it's, at least they spent a lot of time coming up with very the... imaginatively named. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, that is obviously a secularized candle mass. We we live in a in many ways in a in a post Christian environment, and our church even has been kind of dechristianized. We meet once a week, and. I think we get grumpy if we were asked to meet on a Monday, you know. Um, to be clear, you're not you're not saying that Groundhog Day is is a terrible thing because it's sort of um, secularizing no. sacred thing, but in fact, it's good to have midwinter yes. kind of goofy celebrations. Exactly, you're kind of endorsing that. Yeah, yeah. Kind of civic, kind of civic goofiness of. Uh, I'm trying to think of of what um, like in England. There's like the the. Have you ever seen the videos of them like chasing the cheese? Yeah, yes, like, yes. They've got this big like <laughs> wheel of cheese that they throw down, down the this hills, hill. Down the and then everyone the like pressure. like breaks their necks like <laughs> running down the hill and yes. somersaulting accident, like totally non-voluntarily. Um, and it's just this weird local tradition that they chase the cheese yeah. down the hill. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, but but I, I what I what I'm saying is I think I think this the the what was once in Christendom. Uh, a, a release um, after being beaten down by darkness and cold, a, a godly release celebrating that, no, yes, we were right six weeks ago in Christmas when we celebrated that the light has come into the world. Now we're celebrating Simeon's pronouncement as he stares at the 40-day-old child. Oh my gosh, this is a light to lighten the Gentiles. And let's talk about why it's a festival of light as well and why it's called- uh, Kirk, Kirk, I, sh I should say all of this is true. <laughs> for, us, for us in the northern hemisphere yes that's right that's right yeah. and and uh i mean it's, you you have pointed out that um it's we it's got to be weird to be yeah. living in the southern hemisphere yeah. because literally like everything's upside down we've talked about um the adaptability I'm, of anglicanism in yeah in local expressions um that that the 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 episcopacy as locally adapted mm -hmm. um it, we've done a good job Right. So, yeah. so yeah, I mean, Australia, this that would be an be interesting thing. That would be an interesting <laughs> thing for us to study to see, be like, like, what does it mean to have like Christmas be a midsummer thing? Yeah. 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 Right. Cause uh, the symbolism, certainly you could find fruitful symbolism sure. and enter into godly piety and um, prayer um, with, with stuff that wouldn't even occur to us. So here's what would happen. Um, Christopher pre electrification especially at mid to upper latitudes in the Northern hemisphere, um, you either lived in utter darkness mm -hmm. for 18, 18 hours a day, you know, at, at winter, like in late December and early January, or you went through a lot of candles, a lot of candles. And those who could afford to did. It was a mm -hmm. significant part of household budgets. And historians yeah. have done interesting jobs going back and looking at um, expenditures in households, um, shopping lists that servants are given. Go out and get go get this, this at the busher, this uh, this at the and this at the candle maker, and it's that's a, that's a large part of the family budget. And so, I mean, we should thank God for electrification because it enables mm -hmm. all kinds of activities and public gatherings that were not possible then. Um, yeah. And so. In the church, um, you would run out of candles, and it became practice um, to uh, to give your candle tithe uh, on February second. 
it was just about when the church had run out of candles in midwinter. And so it was a, it was a good time to do so because it fell right around a feast day. And so what kind of naturally happened through the course of nature dovetailed with this, um, this, this uh, gospel text and this celebration in which one of the climax of this reading in, in many ways, and so there are several climaxes, it's a compl complex reading, is Simeon's pronouncement of Jesus as a light to light in the Gentiles. And Christopher, you have been commenting that Epiphany is mm -hmm. shot through by, by prophecies and imagery of light. Um, mm -hmm. And of course, as you say, for us in the Northern Hemisphere, this, this speaks to our hearts as we're beaten down by, by darkness and cold. Uh, and so uh, this became a time to, as you'd get your can, as you'd make your candle tithe, you'd be presenting bundles of candles at the altar and the candles would be blessed. Um, and there would be prayers and a liturgy for that. And then of course, why not light a bunch of them as well? And so the church would be lit up as it hadn't been since Christmas, lavishly with candles um, in a way that would have been explosive and lovely. Um, in the northern, you know, northern Europe, northern European um, bleak midwinter light. Um, and so it acquired that name, Candlemas. Um, and we, uh, let, me, let me find my notes because I got so excited um, that I lost my notes here. Uh, let's see here. Okay. Um, uh, guilds. Okay. Oh, this is what, what I wanted to say. Just an interesting point. Guilds, Christopher, wealthy people, wealthy families, um, the Vintner Guild, the Guilds of Smiths would sponsor, would, um, would vie to be the one to, to sponsor special lights. Um, if you were the one who could have the altar candles, the candles on the altar, um, that you would sponsor those candles. This was a, this was a high honor. Or the altars maybe are the, the, the lights. They called them lights because those were the only lights. The candles um, before certain statues, maybe if you, um, in the Lady Chapel, or if your church was St. John's, for example, um, this statue in front of um, uh, St. John. Or Christopher, your Church of the Resurrection, uh, maybe uh, artwork or a stained glass window uh, depicting the resurrection. It'd be an honor to sponsor that. And so that would be renewed at that point. And so this was a lovely thing. I don't mean to turn this into a history lesson. All of this is to say um, that we inherit this, and this is something that has become revivified in many American urban parishes that kind of have historic lovely buildings that kind of, and have people within walking distance that can kind of afford to have a midweek service. Uh, but we don't have a, we don't have a historic lovely building. Or at least we didn't last year when we, when this landed on a Sunday. Yes, it did last um, year. Yeah. But, but we, uh, and, and we don't collect a candle tithe either, <laughs> but we did you collect uh, a light bulb tithe. <laughs> we did, we did do a, a brief liturgy and prayers and a blessing of, of our candles, um, as, awesome. as kind of a nod, um, as a nod to, um, to our history. Yeah. So Christopher, this is also not just midwinter, but theologically, um, as we're placed halfway between Christmas and Easter, in some ways, Christopher, we are 43 days right now today um, from when we're, um, when we're uh, recording this, 43 days from Easter, I'm sorry, from Christmas, and 53 days from Easter. We're kind of halfway between the two. And um, this reading in Luke 2 is in some important ways a pivot from shepherds and cradles and lowing cattle and a new mother and a cooing baby to harder things that lie before the infant Jesus. Betrayal, trial, nails, cold hard wood, and a crucifixion. And we see this in the prophecy of Simeon. So the main characters. Well, first, Christopher, the character we meet is Simeon. A tradition holds that he's a priest. It doesn't say, perhaps he's a priest, perhaps not. It's not like the, the, our, our, our reading of the text rises or falls on that. But let's, let's assume that tradition is true, that if he were a priest, Christopher, what lovely uh, symmetry would lie here then um, as a representative of a happy ending of um, the sons of the line of Aaron, right? Who had faithfully served their time, serving their Lord first in the synagogue, and then in the first temple, and then in the second temple, as he realizes he's holding the completion of his ministry and passing yeah. the baton to the true priest, the priest that will not die, or his priesthood will not be insufficient, um, but that will offer the final true um, perfect sacrifice 
Um, and Hebrew speaks uh, very lovingly about that and, and movingly about that. Um, and then we have, of course, Christopher, which is so meaningful for us as Anglicans, his um, uh, spontaneous song, um, the Nunc Dimittis, the Song of Simeon, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, uh, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, to be a light, to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Um, and if, uh, if you're saying, uh, praying evening prayer, this is the second canticle, and um, it, uh, it forms reliable grooves in your soul. If it does, you have Anna, um, who is a, a great icon of a faithful waiting as well. Um, I, it's, there's a complex way of marking how old she is. I'm not going to comment on that. I've all have it explained to me a handful of times. Christopher I've never quite understood it, um, uh, but it's clear she's been she's been waiting. She's kind of a, a, a church groupie, right? <laughs> she's constantly hanging out at the temple. Um, and the gladness, uh, she had eyes, the Holy Spirit gave her eyes to see what's in front of her. And, um, and she can't help but spread the good news. Then we have Mary. Mary, who I have spoken of as, uh, it's, it's amazing in Luke 2, um, the principal role that she plays. Well, in Luke 1 and Luke 2, um, and I, I have, of course, my, 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 pious, unbiblical belief, or well, unwarranted belief that, that Luke had to have interviewed her at some point, because how could we get such a per personalized sketch of the, all these events? Um, and, and this isn't in any in Mark or, or Matthew and the other synoptic gospels. Um, and uh, what, are, what are Simeon's words to her, Christopher? A sword shall pierce your own soul. Well, as isn't one day- Isn't it hard? Uh, is it hard? That might have to do with, um, I'm might have sorry. to do with translations. No, it's, it's, I'm sorry. It's soul. It's soul. Yeah. It might what be hard in the King James. Why did I think it was hard? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and this, this is an obvious prophecy of, um, of her at the foot of the cross beholding, mm -hmm. um, her son as she sees nails pierce his hands, his side, his feet, um, and ultimately his lifeless body. Christopher, I don't know if I've shared with you artwork. I, um, in 2015, 15, 2015, I was in Munich Cathedral in Munich, Germany. And, uh, and the principal purpose of that day was to visit all seven historic <laughs> breweries and to consume a, uh, a liter of lovely uh, um, German, German. Uh, Munich Hellas. Yes, yes. Lovely, lovely. Uh, have a soda. <laughs> at each of the historic breweries and uh but also i visited the cathedral there which the allies we had bombed into into rubble <laughs> but it's been rebuilt and uh one of there was uh, in a side altar there was artwork there it was so powerful christopher it had a crucifix above and then beneath the crucifix against the wall was a uh, was a statue of mary with a literal sword piercing her heart so piecing together um, kind of the beginning of Luke and the end of Luke, making obvious for us what that prophecy means. Um, also, if we look at, uh, at Simeon's prophecy, he has, he has other hard words. And this is what we mean, Christopher, when we say that this marks the pivot from angels and shepherds and wise men and lowing cattle to harder things that lie before our Lord. Um, he says, this child is set for the rising and falling of many in Israel. The thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Um, here, clearly, um, his death and the sifting of his, of his the sifting work that his uh, life and ministry will perform, um, splitting the, the Jewish community. Um, uh, but his death is also prophesied here. And already at, in Luke's second chapter, we get a hint of why Jesus came to die. And I'm going to quote Christopher very briefly uh, from a sermon that I listened to this week. Um, this is of a... Um, of an English, uh, an English vicar from uh, St. Bartholomew the Great, a great historic parish in, in London. This is uh, Marcus Walker talking about um, the meaning of this, that this infant is already being prophesied to die. And Mary is, having to, is being told hard words that you are, you, you are carrying a burden 
um, this child that you love, this God man that you love, um, there, there's sorrow ahead, but these are needful things. And this is what he says. He says, ours is not an abstract God sitting on a cloud with a beard, arbitrarily dispensing pain and joy, ruling a world he never knows and never feels. Ours is a God who sees a world of pain and tyranny and laughter and love, and yet is born into it and grows up in it and makes friends in it and goes to their wedding in it and eats and drinks and dies in it. And why is this important, Christopher? It's because Mary must, 30 years, 33 years lady, watch her baby boy die. And she must do it because he came to die happily, thinking it was good and worthwhile. Why? So that we may all be transformed into his image and justify and redeeming this whole divine project. He redeems and transforms this human flesh that he has been born into as the true, great, and final high priest, the fulfillment of which Simeon was just a shadow. And even as he's being redeemed out of this priesthood, his true priesthood is being prophesied, even as he's an infant in Simeon's arms. And that, Christopher, is why I just love this rich, deep, and meaningful text at the very beginning of Luke. And why we shouldn't skip it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So for forgive me for monologuing. monologuing. I got excited. Um, I'm leading Sunday school on it uh, this coming Sunday, even though it was in the past, and it's been very much on my mind and in my heart. Well, cool, cool. Shall we move on to theology? That is the most gloriously tepid endorsement ever. Cool, cool. <laughs> I mean, I, I, how do I add, add to that? That was great. Yes, let's do theology. We usually don't have titles for our segments, but this theology segment, uh, I have a title for. Okay, shoot. The Dreaded E-Word or Reimagining Evangelism. I thought we were gonna, I thought we were gonna do exorcism. Oh, okay. Well, I thought you were gonna, I thought you were gonna make a joke about uh, Dr. Strangelove, how Dr. Strangelove had- Yeah, like, how this I learned long, to love. Long, or Dr. Strangelove or how I learned to, what, what is it like? Is it just love the bomb? I think it's or was yeah, it love the bomb? Like, yeah. Uh, so this week for our theology segment, we'll be talking about evangelism, which is a really charged word. Uh, a lot of people have kind of ideas of what it is, uh, and um, I'd like to challenge a little bit about that. So the reason we're doing this is because in our province, this Sunday has it's been designated as World Mission Sunday, as I mentioned before, which is a wonderful reminder in our church calendar of Christ's call of, of, to make disciples of, of all the nations. Um, and so the gospel reading this Sunday is, is something that we covered not that long ago. On Trinity Sunday in year A, it's the Great Commission. And that's our gospel text where Jesus says, um, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them I'm paraphrasing all, all things that I've commanded. Teaching, yeah. Teaching them all things that I've commanded. Yeah. Lo, I will uh, be with you always, even until the yeah. end of the age. Yeah. And uh, what was interesting is, is um, there are different church uh, kind of parachurch organizations that, that do all sorts of research. Um, and one of the famous ones called the Barna group. And they did a study that showed that almost half of Christians don't keep, couldn't recognize the text of the great commission. They don't know what it is or what Whoa, it really? Yeah. Half. Yeah. yeah. Holy smokes. Almost half. Okay. Um, 
So, uh, so I want to talk a little bit about about global missions, uh, and I also want to talk about um, non cross cultural missions. But first, a word about global missions because the call is to make disciples of all the nations. And um, so this is different ethnic groups, all the different ethnic groups in the world. And so there are missiologists, experts on on this topic who have have divided up the world and analyzed the world and decided that there are 17,433 different people groups in the world. And so a people group would be, and I'll, I'll quote them here, a significantly large group of individuals who perceive themselves to have a common affinity for one another because of their shared language, religion, ethnicity, residence, class or caste situation, et cetera, or combinations of these. For evangelization- What is, what is your caste? <laughs> uh, we don't have casts. Um, for evangelization, for evangelization purposes, a people group is the largest group within which the gospel can spread as a church planting movement without encountering barriers of understanding or acceptance. Um, so of those 17,433, 6,701 of those people groups are considered unreached. So um, that doesn't mean that there are zero Christians in those groups, but an unreached people group refers to an ethnic group. Again, I'm quoting without an indigenous self-propagating Christian church movement. Any ethnic or ethno-linguistic nation without enough Christians to evangelize the rest of the nation is an unreached people group. So I guess to put, uh, to not quote these uh, missiologists and to just put it in lay, lay people's terms, um, there are 17,433 different kind of uh, essentially different people groups, which are different cultures, languages, uh, distinct identities. And in order for those uh, to be reached, we, we want to see um, an evangelical church there, like a self-propagating um, church. So, so not just like established church that, that um, is kind of inwardly focused, but one that is working to, to reach that, that people group, that culture. And um, so th there's this challenge to each of us um, who know Jesus um, to do something. Uh, we are called in the Gospels to pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into the harvest. Um, so at the very least, we should be praying for the nations. And so you can go and you could pray for like the hundred largest. I mean, this would be a great uh, Lenten practice um, to pick the hundred largest people groups and maybe select all of them or 10 of them or whatever the case may be, sp split them up between people, you know, and, and cover them all and, and, and pray for the Lord to work in those groups um, and to raise up laborers to be sent into the harvest um, to, to go to those people. Um, but also, I mean, God may be calling you to materially to financially support um, these missions movements, to support either a missions organization or a missionary who is going to the nations, to these unreached people groups. Or um, maybe he's calling you. Um, so like, I would say, um, I would encourage each of you to pray. Like, what is the Lord uh, putting on your heart? Uh, how are you, um, how is he calling you um, with 50% with of Christians not even realizing that this is a, a mandate that we have, um, it's important for us to kind of spread this, this notion, this idea that, that there's an urgency here, um, that we want to reach the nations and that God works through, like these are the means that God has chosen to do this work. And that's the whole idea of the Great Commission, that, that um, God does work through extraordinary means, that God comes to people sometimes in dreams, to people who are far from the Lord, who don't know the, the Lord. And there are testimonies of people encountering Christ in a dream, but usually they're directed to like an existing Christian where Jesus will go, come to a Muslim in Western China and will be like, there's this person, much like we see happen with Peter and, and Cornelius. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so God does work through supernatural means, um, but also like, through just the nitty gritty, like missionaries going out and, and building wells to provide clean water to a village and learning the language and sharing the gospel with that community. Um, there are all sorts of means that God uses. So to turn, uh, so, so I wanted to, to, to raise that, but I also wanted to encourage everybody that God has a purpose for you in your daily life. Um, that, uh, and, uh, you know, just as, as, um, as Kirk raise the point that, that he's not calling each of us to be fishers of men. I would say, I would push back also to say that he is, mm -hmm. 
calling us um each of us does have a, have a vacation to let our light shine before others yes yes and I definitely um, agree with that there is a the reason that the word evangelism is charged is that oftentimes when we hear the word evangelism we think of handing out tracts outside <laughs> of rock concerts or yes. ball games or holding up signs you know john 316 at you know at a, at a ball game like we, we think of weird things and it's but especially the thing that i want to uh, i want to uh, dispel the notion that that uh that we have i think that that you're not doing evangelism unless you're bringing someone to faith i want to take that and i want to throw it in the trash okay kirk um, because oftentimes we think that, um, and in fact, there's an old like Baptist tradition of like, like almost taking pelts of like writing right. names in, in the, inside the cover of your Bible of the people that quote unquote, you saved. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got news for you. None of us are doing any saving, right? That, that God is doing all the saving that when we do the work of evangelism, we are merely continuing a conversation with, with people that God has already started. So it is our goal, uh, especially in a, in a post-Christian age in America, um, it is our job to hopefully move. It, it, we should assume hostility to God and to the gospel. Yeah. So what we want to do is we want to start a conversation that's already been started. So if we think of like a number line of minus 10, minus 9, minus 8, all the way to minus 1 and to 0, 0 being essentially becoming a Christian. And if, if rather than thinking of evangelism as us merely making a Christian, which we do not have the ability to do, that's God's work. <laughs> um, if we think of us as moving someone from minus nine to minus eight, somebody who has all sorts of notions about what a Christian is, and when we can, you know, just be a normal person to our neighbors, um, to, to those people who think all sorts of crazy things about us Christians. Um, that we are bigots, that we are hateful, that, that whatever someone may think about Christians, if we can dispel those notions and show them the love of God, we are doing the work of evangelism. We are moving people toward Jesus. And that we are the means that God has established to do that. Now, I hope, Kirk, that each of us has the joy of watching somebody or many people become Christians. But what I want to say is, is that um, I think... Many of us carry guilt and shame at not having lots of fruit. Hmm. You know, you said something a couple of weeks ago that uh, really resonated with me. And I've been just been, it's just in, in my head on loop, Christopher. You, you, you said sometimes all we need to do is, uh, is say what, um, is it what Nathaniel said to Andrew or Andrew said, to, Andrew said to Nathaniel. <laughs> Come and see <laughs> what Philip said to Nathaniel. I had one of the principal characters, correct? <laughs> what Philip said to Nathaniel. C come and, come see. and see. Yeah. Come and see. Yeah. Um, that's all we have to do. They're like encouraging. I gave um, a couple weeks ago, Christopher, really discouraging numbers about how many, uh, yeah. Yeah. how many people it takes to create a, a, an adult convert. That mm. is a discouraging number. Okay. Now give it is, you yeah. an encouraging number. Okay. Um, um, over half of people, if you ask them to come to church, which is what we mean by come and see. Right, right. They'll come. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, there's a book called You Found Me by Rick Richardson, <laughs> uh, a, a, a guy I adore, um, who's, who's like, yeah. Um, come I mean, and the see. Subtitle, the subtitle is New Research, and this is like sociological research, like mm -hmm. based on surveys, et cetera. New research on how unchurched nuns, nuns would be people who are who like check none, like I'm non-religious, you know. Um, nuns, millennials, and irreligious are surprisingly open to Christian faith. So we like, let's not close doors that the Lord has left open. And so even though we assume hostility, um, let's not just, let's not assume that, that, um, that, that people don't want to hear. And, and, and if they are angry, um, perhaps like they will know us by, by our love and, and like, we can break down those barriers to the point where, um, I mean, there are some incredibly um, spirit-filled people that I know um, who, you know, again, we think of with evangelism, we think of probably we, maybe not, but but I think many of us associate uh, just really uh, the obnoxious people who 
bring up Jesus in the Bible inorganically. Like, like you're hanging out with the guys and like, well, if I'm going to do evangelism, I've got to like quote a verse or like um, <laughs> do, do like this right. awkward, awkward pivot into like, so like what's God been doing in your life? Um, Which I mean, I, sometimes like there right. are openings in conversation for that, but like, we don't need, like, sometimes all we need to do is act like a normal person. Um, yeah, because like we can break down those barriers that, that people have about like uh, the way that they think that, that Christians are. And in fact, what God can do is God provides in his timing the opportunity. And, and so um, the, the spirit-filled people that, that I mentioned um, tell these amazing stories of, of setting up uh, part of their budgets for them to like go to a particular coffee shop to get to know the baristas that work during a particular shift. They're like, we, you know, we don't have a lot of money. We can't go there every day, but during that particular shift, um, all we did was like show interest in them and be a, per be a person, be a friend. Um, you, they picked a particularly slow time so they could just like converse and build a relationship. And at some point um, that person started reciprocating Kirk as humans do, right? Like if you're right. friendly with someone, suddenly they start asking you about your life. And, and you know, they're, so you're like, well, what are you doing tonight? And then the braces are like, well, what are you doing tonight? And he's like, well, you know, I've, this is many months in Kirk. Um, and this guy's name is Dennis. So um, they say this person, the braces says, Dennis, um, what are you doing tonight? And, and he mentioned, uh, oh, Wednesday nights, we have this Bible study. Uh, guess what happened? Like uh, sometime later, let's say a month, six weeks later. What happened? The barista asked to come to the Bible study. Hey. Like he didn't like he didn't even have to do he didn't even have to be like, hey, do you want to come to my Bible study? Like being a person, being generous, sharing your life. Um, God can sometimes open doors like that where like you don't have to even think of like obviously we want to listen to the Holy Spirit. Like maybe God is calling me to talk about the Bible, but maybe like in God's timing, he opens that door. And so what I want to do is, is I want to uh, introduce, I don't know if I've done this on the podcast before, Kirk, um, two different acronyms that, that I hope are life-changing for everybody. And those are Frank and Bless. Kirk, do you remember me mentioning this before? I do. I do. Okay. I do, yep. All right. So the, hopefully this is a refresher. Frank uh, is, is like your spheres of influence. Friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, coworkers. Um, that these are the people that we encounter on, on a day-to-day -day basis or have some connection to friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, coworkers. And then, so the, the, the bless, uh, acronym. Um, so in those spheres of influence, what can we do? Uh, so as we're, uh, again, Christians aren't consumers who go through life trying to get out of other people, uh, like every person, once you realize that everybody is made in the image of God, the cashier, the um, the the other parents at the park. Um, once you kind of realize that that these people are are children of God that have been because of sin in the world, they they their relationship with God has been is one of sin, and we want to provide a path to reconciliation and restoration. And so, how do we do that? Um, well, we big we begin with prayer. So as we go through our Frank list, we pray for those people that the, that again God has start already started a conversation with each of them. Um, and we listen with care. So Dennis, um, as he was just being a normal person and a real person, listened to his barista and 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 with care. And and once you listen, like, and again, this isn't super agenda driven. This is just like seeing them with God's eyes as a child of God and and like innately lovable. Um, and the, the, so begin with prayer, listen with care. The E in bless is eat together, which is hard during the pandemic, but like break bread. Like um, everybody likes food um, and uh, like invite them over for, for appetizers, go out for a beer. Um, the S is serve in love. Um, serve them. Like just as Christ came not to, be served, Kirk, <laughs> but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, um, we're called to serve. Um, and these things are good in and of themselves, but they also lead to um, to salvation for people. Like this is kind of the path 
um, that, 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 uh, works. And then finally share your story. And that's the last thing. So we don't go in with the tract. We don't go in right. with the Bible verse. Um, like we like are a human being and like, listen to them. And, and when there's re reciprocity, um, God will provide the opening for, for the story of, of God and, and to meet them where they are. I'm holding the baton and handing, like, I, I realize I've talked a lot. <laughs> not, not nearly as much as I talked during uh, a presentation of our Lord in the temple. Christopher, no, that's great. Um, I, okay, so, so, Frank and But like, okay, okay, okay. Now, now, now that I've, I'm done talking, I want to interrupt. <laughs> what I'm saying, Kirk, is that we should throw out the scorecards. All the yes. things that yeah, are yeah. hindering us, this sense of like, I don't have the skills. Um, I, I don't have a good track record. Like I, I haven't led anyone to Christ. Um, I would say that that's probably not true that like, if you are, um, showing Christ's love to people, you are doing work in moving them from a place of hostility so that someone else might be there to bring, to help bring them to Christ. Here, here. Yes. Yep. I, uh, I vaguely had remembered some of Frank and bless. <laughs> um, I'm going to try, try better next time. So begin with prayer, listen with care, eat together, serve in love, share your story. I think, I think we can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Those I mean, it's called also called being a person, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other, there's, there's another thing I think that people can do. Uh, so th this is a conversation you and I, I don't think have had on, on this podcast um, regarding spiritual gifts. Um, and, and a spiritual gift that, that sometimes we, uh, we are sheepish in talking about is giving. Some people have, have a true gift of giving. Mm -hmm. um, the, one of the reasons why uh, Anglicanism, our, our church body, Christopher, is a vast global network across every continent um, is because uh, people gave sacrificially to missionary societies. Mm. Um, so even if you don't, if you're not sure how you can do vital work, right, um, right. there are people who are like, who need money to build schools, to teach people the language, the Bible in their own language and catechize them in the faith and raise up disciples on the frontier of, um, of Christianity. Um, and, that and not just in real time, you know, people are doing that, you know, like there's good work being done through lots of institutions. Yeah. Sure, sure. But 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 yeah. I, but, I'm not but within our own within. what I'm saying is sure. within our own missionary societies, we right. re reliably know that the word mm -hmm. is duly preached and the, the sacraments are duly administered. Sure. There's a <laughs> there's a comfort there. Yeah. Good and proper churchmen are being raised up. Cause that's what they sound like in Uganda or wherever. Yeah. <laughs> Any other final thoughts, Christopher? Since we're, I'm devolving to bad accents. <laughs> Let's, let's, uh, let's turn to prayer. Yes. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Almighty God, through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you revealed the way of eternal life to every race and nation. Pour out this gift anew, that by the preaching of the gospel, your salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Lighten our darkness, we beseech you, O Lord, and by your great mercy, defend us from all perils and dangers of this night. For the love of your only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Next week, Kirk. Next week. Amen.